Welcome to this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkson, and we're, I'm here talking all things sports in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil of Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond? Yes, certainly I'm, Rob. Yeah, I mean, some of the sports sort of calming down over the end of the football season, but we've still got plenty to go out, haven't we? So I'm sure we'll have, uh, we'll have a really good chat and a good show. Yeah, so we'll start with the football, Paul and Manchester City. They beat Inter Milan in the Champions League final in Istanbul. 1-0, a goal by Rodri. Confirms the treble for Pep Guardiola. Yeah, fantastic achievement. Manchester City have had a, they've had a good few weeks, haven't they? You know, Taking the Premiership title and the, the FA Cup final against Manchester United as well. And, and now the Champions League. So if you're a Manchester City supporter, you're probably pinching yourself this morning when you're having your breakfast, aren't you? Because it has been like a dream for them, really. I know the only other trophy they could have come would could have won was the, the League Cup. But I mean, I'm sure that's probably what they're aiming for next season. But it's been a great season for them and a, and a club that's it's come a long way, hasn't it, in the last uh, sort of decade or two? So uh, yeah, c- considering they used to always be the bridesmaid and the team that would would always let you down, they've they've become a real force now in football and and capped it off with it with the trophy that they were after. Yeah, our resident city fan yourself, Paul. How does you feel about being the kings of Europe now after, like you say, the journey uh, that you've been on? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, Rob, I've not watched Manchester City for a long time. Probably talking to 25 years ago since I was going to the games, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. I used to go to City quite a lot, so I have lost touch with them, really. So I won't class myself as a as a big supporter. Really. My, a lot of my family are, you know, my, my mum's side of the family, my, my grandma, who's, who's gone now, and all their brothers and sisters were all City supporters and all season ticket holders as well. And I still got quite a, a lot of that side of my family who follow City and still go to the matches. So you know, it, it, I always look out for the score and that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't jump on that glory and say you know I, I supported them this season because they didn't. But I always look out for them. And I'm pleased for the fans because you know they, they've probably had it rough, haven't they? Always living in sort of United shadow and, and probably to a certain extent they still are a bit, aren't they? I mean they're not won as much as what United's won, but. They're, they're, they've done well, and I think it's good for the good for the city that you've got two teams now that, that have won that that trophy, you know, United and City. So it's a hotbed of football where we live in the northwest, isn't it? And uh, I think City winning that's made it even bigger. Yeah, and obviously now treble winners after winning the league and the FA Cup, matching Manchester United's treble of 1999. Uh, Paul, it's a fantastic achievement uh, for Pep Guardiola and making history too. Yeah, it is, it, is a, it is a massive achievement. You know, we've said it before, it's a, it's a really long season and when you, you, you're battling on, you know, playing two games a week, the Premier League's tough. It's a tough league to win, isn't it? And then to, to get the FA Cup as well, you know, they had a tough run in that. They beat some decent teams and then the Champions League, it's a massive tournament, isn't it? You know, you, you're playing, City have played some, some of the best sides in Europe there, haven't they? And No, they've not really been troubled, I don't think. I think the, the, the final, they at arm's length, really. I know Inter had a couple of chances, but the way they dispatched the Real Madrid as well in the competition, I think they've had an excellent year. And, you know, Pep seems to... I know he has a lot of money to spend and, and this, that and the other, but he, he's a very good coach, I think. He's a very good man-manager from what I've seen of him and he gets the best out of his players, doesn't he? And I'm sure they won't be resting on that. I think they'll want to go next season. I mean, if they could do back-to-back Champions Leagues, I think that would be something special. I'm not sure how many teams have done that before, but um, you know that would be something for them to aim at next season. And obviously, get the League Cup as well and win all four of them. But I think they'll have a tough test next year. I think there'll be some other sides that'll be uh, they'll be up there challenging them as well. 
Yeah, Pep Guardiola's decision-making was questioned previously in the last uh, European Champions League final defeat against Chelsea, but seemed to get the uh, the team selection and tactics spot on against Inter Milan. Uh, both uh, coaches really working hard to try and outsmart the other one, but Pep Guardiola knows his way. He's won many trophies before with many teams in many different countries, and now he's, beat, and now he's beating Inter Milan in the Champions League final with Manchester City puts him above the late maybe yeah yeah I mean I don't know where he'll end up next I think he, he likes it in Manchester doesn't he and listening to one of his interviews uh, last night I think he's going to be around for a bit longer isn't he I think he really mm-hmm. enjoys it and, and wants to win more trophies and, and good luck to him you know he's a, he's a good coach well great coach I think and and he seems a really good person. I've never met the man, but he seems a really humble person as well, doesn't he? And uh, you know, he's turned to Manchester City into to a top side. I mean, not anybody can just go and win those trophies. All right, people say, oh, he's, he's got all the all the tools there to do it. Other managers haven't done it, though, have they? So he's he's done the business for City, and you know, he had a, had a, a really top season. I think they've been head and shoulders the best side <clears throat> in England and Europe, haven't they? Nobody's really got close to them. Mm. The way they come back again, you know, Arsenal had that lead and the way they came back in the last month or two of the season, they are absolutely formidable really, weren't they? And, and, and people say Arsenal bottled it. I don't think they did. I think Manchester City were just too good. Obviously, Manchester City are the peak of, in, of international European football. Uh, Paul, what next? What's the next challenge? What's the next thing that's going to drive this City team forward? Um, I think, as I mentioned there, back-to-back Champions League, mm. I mean... That that really would be a statement. I mean, you're probably I'll probably put you on the spot if I asked you, but you probably know better than me who's done that before. I presume have Real Madrid done that before. I think well, European close. football, I suppose, is you know there's many but many big many teams in there um, mm. who have dominated European football yeah. uh, through the years, and it's one of them really. I suppose different generations, like you say. Real Madrid and, uh, you know, AC Milan, people like that are the kind of, you know, people like Inter Milan. AC Milan done it before. Liverpool's done it before in the 70s, 77, 78. Bayern Munich did it three times, 75 to 73. You're not in the Forest, three, but twice as well. Yeah, I actually did it three times, 71 to 73. So, and Real Madrid did it quite a lot as well. So, there yeah. was... It was, like you say, there is kind of a sort of teams, when you look through the history, have sort of made the mark on European football. And I think this could be the start of Manchester City doing that. I know lots of fans sort of taking the mickey out of uh, City, not reaching that that uh, you know Champions League uh, final, not winning it. But now they've got there the rest of the world and the rest of Europe have probably sat there wondering, you know, how far can this team go? Yeah, yeah. And and, and the sky's the limit for them, isn't it? I mean, we'll have to see who they, they bring in. I'm sure they'll bring players in in the close season. But, you know, I think once you taste trophies like that, you, you know, it must be a strange feeling for, for City supporters. I mean, you know, going back to the, the team of like the 80s and the 90s, they were... They were funny teams to support, really, weren't they? And they still got big crowds, and the supporters were always sort of happy go lucky, weren't they? And now they're winning trophies. It's probably a bit strange for them, really, because they probably don't have that comedy anymore that they used to have. But I'm sure they're enjoying it. I'm sure they're enjoying winning trophies, and and uh, and yeah, and just keeping going. So um, so yeah, 
we'll have to watch this space next season, but I'm sure they'll be up there challenging again, and they'll they'll want to win win more things. I presume they'll play in like the will they play in like the World Club Cup now? They'll play yeah. the American is it like the South American yeah. Champions or someone like that? So that's another exciting venture to go on, and and yeah, another victory in Europe again next year but to go back to back. I think would be awesome. Yeah, Real Madrid were the are the only uh, team to do back to back Champions League to, uh, winners. Um, 2017-2018 shows the the sort of the the start the standard you know pre sort of post uh, you know Champions League when there was more competition involved there was only one club managed it yeah well it, I remember in the nineties when United used to used to be on ITV all the time then you could watch it a bit more and um, mm. it's on BT now so I don't see as much of it but it was always, it always looked really tough to me some of the teams in there and you'd see the group and it's always a really tough competition. It won slip up and, and you've had it and you've got some of the great sides and that's Juventus, Barcelona, the Milan teams. It always looked at Dortmund were good then, weren't they? And it always looked a really, really tough competition. And it still is now. So to to go and do do that again, I think it'd be a great achievement. And uh, I think sometimes we perhaps underestimate City's achievements because they've got all those good players, but you still got to work hard and, and get the results, haven't you? So, uh, you know, good luck to them. Yeah. Uh, other news, a Leeds United chairman have sold his stake in Leeds United for £170 million to the 49ers enterprise. Obviously, Leeds relegated from the Premier League. Uh, a bit difficult uh, time for that club. Yeah, it will be because I don't think they'll have it easy in the in the championship. There's some good sides in there. There's one or two sides in that playoffs who didn't come on the, up this time. Who'll be, you know, wanting to get back next time. You know, the sides that got relegated from the from the Premier League as well. So. You know, I think Southampton went down. They'll be a tough side to beat, won't they? And I can't remember who the one was who went down. You'll be able to tell me. But uh, no, I don't think Leeds will have it all their own way next season in the Championship. And they're a massive club, aren't they? You know, when it comes to, you know, years ago they they, they won the, the the titles, haven't they? And things like that. played in Europe and you know a, a club steeped in history, really. But for one reason or another, for the last sort of 10, 15 years, twenty years even, they've not really, really done much. Have they been a bit of a yo-yo team up and down and? This season they've been terrible, haven't they? So, um, so yeah, they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, Southampton, Leeds, and Leicester were like relegated. Everton just survived. So, yeah, difficult uh, situation for the for the bottom three going down to the Championship. Obviously, not enough money. Top players always want to leave, and it's it's finding a way to bounce back. Talking away of bouncing back, Man United owners uh, allegedly have spoken to the uh, PSG chairman and convince. Uh, the new, uh, potentially new owner of Manchester United to get uh, his bid increased by the club. Paul, the PSG chairman has denied this, uh, but I suppose it's a way of trying to bump up the price. Yeah, it sounds that way. Doesn't let us hope this saga comes to an end soon because it's dragged on for a long time. I think the supporters deserve a bit of stability now, don't they? And uh, to to learn which way the club's going. I mean, it's in the balance. The, the obviously the supporters don't want the Glazers there anymore. There's a bit of bad blood there, isn't there? So you feel sorry for them. They they need it sorted, and there's no doubt that affects the players on the pitch as well. That instability off the pitch. So let's hope that saga comes to an end this summer. Yep. Let's move on to boxing, Paul and Josh Taylor. He lost to Tio Lopez in Madison Square Garden in New York. Uh, the weekend, Paul, talk us through it. Yeah, uh, Taylor went over there as champion, didn't he, defending his uh, junior welterweight title. And, you know, it was a very controversial fight last year against Jack Cattrall. Uh, many people thought Jack 
Jack won that local lad, Jack Cattrall. And I know um, there's been a lot of talk on, on social media between the two fighters. And there was a lot of talk in this fight as well, Lopez and Taylor. A lot of bad blood went into that one. And it was a cracking fight, though. Um, uh, I thought, uh, you know, Taylor started the fight really well on the front foot. He's a southpaw as well, so he's difficult to fight. But Lopez really gritted his teeth. And if you if you look at the stats throughout the fight, Lopez threw a lot more punches, landed a lot more punches, did a lot more work. His work rate was a lot better. And you could see him picking the rounds off. Two of the cards, I think, give it two um, two rounds for uh, for Lopez. And the other card was, I think, 117-111. So all three judges in favour of Lopez. And he had a great win. I think he was a deserved winner, deserved champion. And yeah, Josh uh, Josh Taylor goes back to the drawing board now. He's on about moving up in weight, so I don't. It doesn't look like that rematch is going to happen. He's going to go a different way now. So uh, yeah, it's a British champion dethroned at the weekend. But Lopez, uh, a very very worthy winner. So I'm going to ask you what's next for for Scott uh, for Josh Taylor. Is is the new weight the new way to go? Yeah, well, I think so. That, that's the way he seems to want to go. He's, he's a big lad, he's a total lad anyway, so he probably finds it difficult to make the weight, you know, at junior welterweight. So he looks at the pair of them, you know, on the scales. I would say Taylor's a good few inches taller than his opponent, and, you know, that's that's difficult to, to keep to that weight. So if you, as your body gets a bit older as well, it's probably difficult to keep down there. So I think the move up in weight will do, probably do him, do him good. He's still a classy fighter, though, there's no doubt about that, but I think he needs to... So I'll have a look at his career now and see where he wants to go. Obviously, I don't know if he's going to fight Jack Cattrall again. I think that fight would be great if that was made because obviously there was a lot of controversy around it. But uh, but no, it's, in a way, it's sad that the British fighter loses his title. But, you know, there was no no controversy in the decision. It was um, it was the right decision, I think, from all three judges. Everybody who watched the fight would probably agree. A uh, good fight to watch as well. It was a good card over there in in New York and Madison Square Garden. What a great venue that is! If you ever get a chance to go and see boxing over there, absolutely magical venue. Mm. Who's his? Who should it be his new competitor? His new weight bracket? Uh, I'm not too sure to be honest with it. I'm not well up on on that weight which he's going to move up to because he's not really decided yet. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. I mean. There's, there's, there's British rematches of people he's fought before, but I think now the way he's moved over to America and fought over there, he might be looking at people in that bracket, so I'll have to watch this space to see who he picks, but it might be one of them where there's a bit of time out of the ring now, I'm not too sure, but he has been quite ring rusty, I mean, it was well over 12 months, I think, since his last fight, so he said that wasn't to blame, though, for this fight, he sort of held his hands up and said he was beaten by the better man, so we'll have to keep, uh, keep an eye out and see which way he goes. Yeah, uh, let's move on to the UFC. And this weekend, Octagon MMA 44 goes ahead in Germany. And James spoke to UFC legend John Hathaway, who spent eight years away from the sport through Crohn's disease and even had to had his entire large intestine removed. But now he's back and ready for a big performance. And here he is now. Talk to James. Right, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by John Hathaway, a fantastic British martial artist, and you're competing at Octagon MMA 44 in Oberhausen, Germany, on June 17th. But before we get into this massive fight that you've got coming up, I want to delve a little bit deeper into your backstory, because it's incredible. It's one of just sheer resilience and never giving up. Could you tell me about the battle that you've had with Crohn's disease and losing your large intestine? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously... It was something that I kind of creeped up when I was fighting for the UFC and stuff. I think I'd had three or four fights in the UFC, and then uh, then it kind of hit me before it was meant to be a fight in London against Matt Brown. I kind of again we kind of I kind of trained through as much as I could with it. I, I didn't know what it was at the time, and then obviously like end up being like, oh, I'll pop to hospital. I'll just see what this is, kind of thing, get some blood work done, 
and then just got kept at the hospital for like I think a week and a bit it was while they kind of did more tests on me figured out what was wrong and then and then started me on medication to basically kind of get it under control and then from there it was just a I guess up and down kind of uh through the career I kind of like carried on fighting with it I think I had another four or five fights with with um osteoclitis and uh again end up having to pull out of I think two more fights and then kind of um Obviously, it's that hard thing of when when you're building in a camp and you you're getting towards the end of the camp and kind of like this peak kind of like stress and uh, stress levels on your on your body as well is what would always kind of like trigger that flare up. So I, I took some time out, end up having it was like eight or nine years out, kind of trying to get it under control with different medications and basically going through every every protocol what they kind of gave me, and then uh, eventually just had to go for surgery and, and lost my large bowel anyway. So, uh, but obviously that, that kind of enabled me to, to kind of kick back into training and kind of get back to, to normal. Obviously I was training throughout that, that time anyway, but I could just never, I guess, push it as, as high as I needed to, if that makes sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. You've had an amazing journey and to have so long a period outside of the cage must've been right. incredibly difficult. Could you tell me about what those moments were like, where you're at and you weren't able to pursue your dream and how you were able to keep going? Cause many fighters would have given up. I must say, I mean, like, I got into a, obviously teaching. I always like to to kind of show stuff to the guys anyway. But I started getting into teaching and kind of teaching in local gyms before running my own gym. But I mean, definitely for the first couple of years, maybe. I mean, it, obviously, it's kind of it's so hard because it, it's been so long that it kind of goes uh almost goes just into distant memory kind of thing. But definitely for the first like year or two, I just I couldn't really watch MMA as much as I was teaching it. Like it was hard, and then obviously like there's still great fights happening. So kind of, again, it, I, I love the sport so much. It kind of drew me back in after like, you know, getting over that, that initial like kicking my feet a little bit and stuff like that, being unhappy, not being able to compete in, in what I wanted to do. But and then just got back into watching it more. And again, every discipline, even just the MMA as a whole is amazing, but every discipline in there is just fantastic to watch as its own thing. You know, obviously there's always uh, American wrestling and uh, Olympic wrestling kind of happening. ADCC and other grappling sports have obviously kicked off now, like you know, are massive, and there's there's loads of them to watch. And there's always good boxing and, and some stand-up fighting to watch in glory and, and whatnot. So I mean, yeah, just combat sports as, as a general has got I got kind of yes, the love for it and uh, I just enjoy watching it. That's amazing. Do you have any fights in particular that you can remember watching and thinking, oh, I've got to get back in there? Uh, I guess not. I mean, there's just so there is just so many, obviously, after I've kind of like stopped competing for the UFC. There's just so much young talent that's come through. Obviously, so many good British guys are fighting uh, nowadays as well. Obviously, seeing Arnold Allen, Arnold Allen fight as well is really great. Leon Ondoots is, is just doing fantastic. Obviously, his first fight was, was fantastic. His second one, obviously, he got the win and stuff. But, I mean, they've all absolutely first one got the win, second one got the win as well. But, like, all of them just been a, amazing kind of an, an inspirational to kind of get back in and, and keep wanting to do it. Yeah. Can you remember the moment where you were told, you're able to get back in the cage. You can get back to doing what you love. Uh, I mean, that was more my choice. Most doctors were just like, yeah, you should probably just stop now. I mean, I was incredibly lucky when I, <laughs> I managed to get my uh, bowel surgery kind of done privately after waiting on the NHS for a little bit. And uh, he was just one of those doctors, of life, I can't remember his name right now, but he was just one of those doctors where you could just he could tell you the the sky was was black outside you or you know purple you'd believe it you know i mean yeah he just had so he was just so charismatic and so you could have so much faith in what he said and you know i basically was like uh i needed surgery done because they're normally done i think over like a year and a half two year period i had my first child on the way as well we were just like i need it done in like eight months basically i want to go back internal and uh basically get back to 
to, to compete and getting into sports. And he was basically just like, yep, we can do that. You know, just one of the ones where just uh, he was just confident and had 100% faith in being able to do what he could do, which kind of has, has enabled me to have, I guess, faith in, in what I can do and getting back to what I want to do. That's incredible. So you've gone through such an amazing journey. You've come out the other side. You're ready to carry on competing. You get this opportunity in Octagon. You have your comeback fight. You pick up a big win. Could you tell me the range of emotions you were feeling going into that before the fight, after the fight, and what it's like now to be a father as well in the Octagon? I mean, yeah, it's great. Obviously, having having a little one rounder. Obviously, it gets testing sometimes, especially this last week where I, I'm just starting to bring back on my on my calorie count and stuff like that. But other than that, she's she's just over four now, so she's a, a little age already most of the time. I mean, for my first fight back, it was just I was just so uh, I guess focused on competing and getting the win that, like, you know, I don't think anything was going to uh, stop me or any opponent was going to stop me. Kind of on that day, obviously, since then it's, it's just been good. It almost just feels like the eight nine years out has just never happened do you know i mean back in with the with the guys always up in london training and kind of going through the routines what i was so used to for so many years you know because i started competing i think I, I had two pro fights before i was uh 19 so when i was still 18 and then just obviously competed up until when i was what boy that been like four or so yeah i mean competed up until my late 20s and then uh obviously had had the time out and stuff so i mean it's just always what I've known really and what I've loved to do. And now you have this opportunity to fight in a reserve bout in the tip spot game changer. What do we make of your opponent? Obviously a champion in Babylon in his own right. So a very good fighter. So it should be a good test for you. And what would it mean to actually get into that tournament, to break into that bracket and have the opportunity to go for the million euros? I mean, it'll be fantastic. Obviously that is the ideal end goal. Obviously uh, I got Lucas to kind of deal with first or, or get out of the way. And then obviously, with uh, you know some luck and hope that I'll, I'll, I'll someone else would have to drop out of the tournament so I can enter it. <laughs> but other than that, you know, I got to do it with Lucas first. He, he's the, obviously an incredibly tough guy. Obviously, his he fought in the first round of the tournament against uh, Cosmo, who's probably one of the favourites for winning it, or a very tough draw person. He, he gave him some trouble. Obviously, Cosmo clearly won all the uh, like the majority of the rounds anyway. But obviously, uh, Lucas in, in the third round almost got him in the rear naked. Had some good submission attempts, so he's kind of a. A dangerous fighter on the feet and almost like feel even more dangerous on the ground with this submission work you mentioned cosma there a fighter who is incredibly popular out in the czech republic the pink panther he's got the whole yeah. hairdo going on very sort of likable guy and they make amazing noise for him i imagine for you as a fighter that's quite an alluring prospect to be able to go out to his home territory and fight yeah. somebody like him i'm um, certainly again like i i rate him a lot you know he's a, a super strong durable fighter as well that can compete in every kind of aspect of it mate you know his stand-up's nice his ground's nice so you know uh, and he's, he's big and strong and obviously he's, he's just <laughs> just a nice guy and an enjoyable guy to watch fight so i mean there's a bunch of other tough guys in uh in the game changer so we'll see how it kind of goes we'll see hopefully you know i, I can win this one and, and get into my kind of my spot and be able to take a take someone's place Absolutely. And assuming you bag the win here, there is a massive card coming up in November at the AL Manchester Arena, stage to the cage. It's going to be a big one. I imagine you've got your eyes set on that card. Most certainly. Obviously, it's a hard one. I don't want to overlook next weekend, but yeah, 100% I want to be on that on that one card. You know, ideally, just a quick turnaround, touch with no injuries from after this, and I can just get back straight in. You know, obviously, I've had so long out that I kind of want to just get as much out as I can in a short period as I can. And the fan in me has got to ask you, back when you were competing in the UFC, 
picking up a victory over Diego Sanchez, a legend. They don't get much higher profile than him. The, fa the fans don't love many people more than him. So what was it like to share the cage with him and pick up a victory? You know, it was, it was fantastic. Obviously, that's one of, one of the highlights of him. And I, I still feel probably Rick's story was my toughest fight that I, I'd won. Obviously, I've had fights where I've lost, which you 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 can argue were tougher than the ones I've won. But Rick's story was a, was a general nightmare to fight, just being a southpaw and heavy wrestler. But... For the Diego one, you know, it was my first time in Vegas, first fight in Vegas, like kind of a the mecca of uh, where you competed against someone who, you know, I'd watched getting into the sport with the first tough season and everything else. So it was just a, an incredible experience, you know. Most certainly. John, I'd like to thank you so much for talking to me today. It's deeply appreciated. I want to wish you all the luck in the world for your fight that's coming up. But before I let you go... Is there anybody that you'd like to shout out or anything that you'd like to add that I perhaps haven't asked you about? I know particularly, obviously, the teams I train with, London Street Fires and, and Templar Jiu-Jitsu, the guys who kind of, like, help me get through this, which is time for nutrition, track nutrition, uh, scramble. And then, uh, for me, obviously, uh, a big one is, is my wife is running uh, the Scarwand, which is a new company with a new device. And I think without that, basically, obviously, having a hole in my stomach for over eight months with the stoma site in and that getting closed up without kind of, like, having the scar work done on me, like, I don't think I would have had the full capability to be able to kind of get back and be able to do what I want. Obviously, I've still got hope, well, like, not necessarily open holes, but, like, I had plenty of holes in my stomach from the surgeries, which has obviously left some pretty severe scar tissue. And I think without being kind of having that scar work done on me, and it's scar work you guys can all do at home with the the stuff she's kind of putting out. So um, give her a follow-up, the scar wand. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's what's got me back to, to where I, I, I am right now. So that was James uh, talking to John Hathaway. Also on the card, there was Andrew Fisher, who, after a lifetime of big wins, is desperate to finally earn a shot at a major title. And here he is talking to James before it. Right, yes. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Andrew Fisher. On June 17, you're getting back in the cage at Octagon MMA 44 in Oberhausen, Germany. And throughout your career, you fought in some incredible venues with incredible atmospheres. But are you ready for Octagon MMA is going to bring? Because they are renowned for pretty crazy crowds. Um, like I, I definitely knew of Octagon before, but obviously when I got offered a contract with them, uh, I started watching some shows in the. It's it's like ridiculous. You could not fill that. You would not. There's no show in England except for the UFC where you would even get that many people in a in an arena. It's I uh, actually can't believe how how packed out it is and how much the the fans absolutely love it. It's amazing because obviously, as you mentioned, they all go crazy. They're all obviously going to go in mental for you when you walk to the cage. And you've got a pretty good opponent who's on a winning streak at the moment. Would you be able to tell me a little bit about him and how you get the job done? Um, so it's Ronnie Paradisia. Um, he's, he's tall and he's a southpaw, um, which makes things, makes things extra awkward. So just trying to find good training partners for him. Um, he's, he's like a wrestling base, but he, he's quite well-rounded now. You know, I feel that, um, like I say, he is big. I feel I'm a, I'm a lot tidier and crisper for me boxing. I feel my, my grappling is better than him in a straight wrestling match. He's, he's probably better than me, you know, but it, it's not MMA. So I've kind of tried to have a look at him and pick what techniques that I want and what I think is going to work against him. Um, and I've just been drilling these and practicing these for the past few weeks. And after beating him, which we assume you will be, I imagine you'll be putting a shout in for a lightweight title shot because you're definitely in the running for that. Cater has got the belt right now. And is he somebody that you'd like to face? 
Yeah, um, I haven't watched a lot of him, to be fair. I watched his fight with Paradisia, and that's the only one I've really watched. I don't... Um, that obviously, obviously, my goal is definitely the lightweight title, but um, I know I've got a tough test in Ronnie first, so I try not to go too far past it, but my, my eventual goal is definitely to, to fight and win the lightweight title. Absolutely. And would you like that potential shot to fall on the card at the Manchester Arena? So that's going to be a massive yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm um, visualising, hoping for, is to get through Ronnie and then fight in, fight in England, in Manchester. Um, I, I think it would be really, really, really good for me to to do that on my home, home soil. And outside of your own career, I know you do a lot of training down at Team Fish Tank. You've been looking after loads of high-level fighters. I think Phil DeFries is one of them. So could you tell me a little bit about what it's like training him and training all the youngsters that are coming through in the gym? Um, so I'm quite a young coach. Um, I kind of just started doing it because I really wanted to make it as a fighter and I, I would kind of like get paid to do it. I really enjoyed it anyway. And then I just, it just started getting a bit bigger and bigger. And now we've obviously got, got Phil, um, who's the KSW heavyweight champion. Um, I've got some other guys who are just breaking through. I've got Michael Parkland, who's just getting a UFC contract. So that's pretty big for us for the gym. Um, and he's fighting on the London card as well. Um, I've got um, Justin Berlinson, James Hendon, um, Alana Hadi. These are all people who are like, they're just like, just on the edge to break through, you know. Uh, and it's just kind of steamrolling from there, really. I probably I probably missed somebody, so I hope they don't hear this. But <laughs> that's just top of my head. But they kind of the guys I've just said there, apart from Phil, because me and Phil's old. Um, the the other ones, the kind of these are like young studs who who like are my main training partners, and they're, and they're keeping me on my toes all the time, and they're they're keeping us really hungry and humble. That's amazing. And now rolling back the years a little bit, can you remember your start in mixed martial arts and how you gravitate gravitated towards fighting in the first place? Yeah, I just um, uh, I, I just wasn't very confident as a kid, and uh, I used to get picked on a bit. And I just wanted to be tough, so I went to just a, a local MMA. Well, it wasn't really MMA at the time then either, but I went to like a local gym, um, and then I just wanted to be I just wanted to be tough, and I just wanted to be nails. <laughs> and then I kind of just stayed well from there. Then I had a fight, and then. I started doing all right, and and like I, I'm definitely not one of the naturally gifted ones or anybody who's very good. But I would say all the all the talented people, the naturally gifted ones, as the years went by, they would drop off, uh, and then there'd be more naturally gifted people start, and then that would happen again for another the next couple of years, and they would drop off. And then before you knew it, I'd been training for like ten years, and, and nobody else really had been, you know. So kind of just just that's my biggest thing, just persistence. And I can imagine those people who were picking on you back in your school days, they don't do that anymore. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter. Like, I know it sounds like a, a really funny story, but like, I think realistically, like, that was just my perception of it. As, I, as I'm getting older, like, people, especially in, in England at school, if you're, if you, if somebody says something to you and you get emotional about it, people just come at you even more. Whereas yeah. it was just when I got a bit older and obviously living in the gym that you realise to just not take yourself so seriously. It's just, and that's kind of what I teach my kids as well. And like, I've been, I've been bullying my kids since we were born. Um, but they, they kind of, pick on me back and uh, I feel they've got like quite good sense of humour as where they're not taking anything to heart like how I did I just I didn't really have a dad or anything to tell them to teach me this stuff so it's just that's probably that's why I think it happened and like I said the, the bullying is just my perception of it at the time really where it probably wasn't even bad really it's not like I got like beat up every day or anything there's people who had a lot worse than me 
Absolutely. And going back just a little bit towards that octagon title shot again, if you were to win that belt, would that be an amazing thing to solidify your legacy as, you know, a great British fighter? Yeah, that's that's um, what I kind of feel I'm missing. I feel I've beat some really good guys. There's, um, um, like when I was at the AC, signed to ACB, the Russian organization, I was kind of on the cusp of fighting for their title there. Um, and then they kind of had some uh, some Russian problems, <laughs> and, and that kind of so. And then, but that's that's like my goal to win a major world title. Fantastic. And I'd like to thank you so much for speaking to me today. It's deeply appreciated. And I look forward to putting an article together based off this. But before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to add that I potentially haven't asked you about or anybody you'd like to shout out in any way? No, not really. I just like, obviously, I'm very thankful for all my training partners and everybody's trying to help us for this fight as well. And um, definitely my, well, I'm actually getting married a week after my fight. So. Wow. My, my partner wasn't very happy about that, but obviously the win was booked first and then I kind of got offered this and, and couldn't really turn it down, you know, so uh, so she's quite cool about it and she fights as well, so she's she's quite, she, she understands, you know. Perfect. So as long as you don't come on with any black eyes, it's going to be a beautiful, fantastic well, wedding. I feel that's just, that's probably just sums up what a win would be, doesn't it, really? So <laughs> I feel that's not really the problem. <laughs> so that's all the UFC chat and now we're going to move on to Rugby League and Salford Devils. Paul, they were victorious, well, last weekend against Casper Tigers. Away from home, they won 42 points to 10. Talk us through it, Paul. Yeah, a game of mistakes in the early doors, Rob. Uh, Reese Williams scored a drive from a real mix-up at the at the back for Castleford, allowing the ball to bounce all over the place. Then Tim Laffey threw a ball out to uh, Gary Gary for Castleford and, and give it gifted him a try. <laughs> and then it was Gareth Widdop who dropped a high kick and Salford went back in front. So the early doors were all about mistakes, but after that, Salford really went for it. You know, Croft created a, a lovely try for uh, Dion Cross. Briley with a lovely pass for Co. And then um, it was 24 points to four. Salford had a 20-point lead just going into half-time. And um, Casford grabbed the try right on the break. A very, very fortunate try, I thought, from uh, from Kenny Edwards. A super tackle from Ryan Briley as well, who come up with a try-saving tackle, chasing back, uh, I think it was uh, Tate, the cast winger, who he chased back in. Real, real try-saver there. Briley was fantastic again for Solford. Solford led 24-10 at the break. And I think the pleasing thing in the second half for uh, the Red Devils was they didn't concede a point, scored some cracking tries. Williams and Lafayette linking up really well, twice for two tries. Ken Seal got an interception and Sam Stone scored a well-worked try off some good work from Kraft and Sneed. So 42 points to 10, a real, real, real good result. And, you know, I don't think Salford were, I'm not saying they, they were poor, not, not by any stretch of the imagination, but probably not as, as polished as what they have been this season. But yeah, they still won the game by 42 points to 10. So, Paul Rowley, very, very pleased. Yeah. Obviously, we, we talk about how uh, the result matters. Uh, like you said, it, it didn't quite flow, but the tries Salford scored were very good. You know, the link-up between the likes of Brody Croft, Mark Sneed, Ryan Brown out the back certainly asked lots of questions of that uh, Castleford uh, defence. Well, like you said, the Canners didn't find, I don't think, the rhythm, um, you know, going forward to that cup game uh, next week. Yeah, he scored eight tries away from home, though, Robin. It's it's a good return, isn't it? I mean, Casford were, were desperate, really, for um, for his ult. And, and it's a small pitch there as well at Weldon Road, very short pitch, not very wide. And it's difficult to play that expansive game on it, really. And, you know, Salford did what they needed to do. I thought the defence was good. 
and, um, and and scored some cracking tries as well. So that that will bode well for going to the, the cup game this week. And Hull KR got absolutely smashed on Saturday night in Catalan, and I believe they picked up some injuries as well. So they've had a real bruising encounter over there, and had to obviously in the heat as well, and had to make the journey over there. So that's going to hamper them slightly. So I would say so for the favourites for this game at, at the weekend, this quarterfinal, massive, massive game it's going to be as well. And um, really looking forward to this one. And, and Paul Rowley on the side are full of confidence. You know, there's, yep. a, there's a chance that Joe Burgess will be back as well. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, talking about Paul Rowley. You spoke to Paul Rowley. I spoke to Ryan Briley after the game. This is what they had to say. So I'm joined by Ryan Briley. Good win tonight. Yeah, good. Um, obviously, it's always tough at Castleford away. So um, I think the most important thing was the two points. I think getting to the stage, uh, stage of the year now where uh, you want to start firing and, and hitting your straps as such. So I think we did that tonight. Yeah, obviously scored some great tries out there. Flowing moves. You know, you one of the sort of the pivots to playmakers. Must be pleased with that. Yeah, um, I think I don't sound daft. I think there's been a, a bit of a myth around us not clicking in attack, um, but we're winning games, so I, I, I never really understand that. So um, I think we're we doing a good job. I think Brody and Sneedy in particular are doing an unbelievable job. Just makes my job a little bit easier out the back there. So um, credit to them two boys. They they're playing really well at the moment, and we're, we should be um, privileged and, and feel privileged and proud to have them. Yeah, we've won eight of the last nine going into this uh, cup game next week. That's exciting. Yeah, our most important game of the season for me. Um, I think at the start of the year you only get three chances at trophies, don't you? So massive one for us on uh, on Saturday. I think um, it's a really pin- uh, really pivot really pivotal point in our season, and um, to get to a semi final, two game uh, sorry, so two games away from Wembley is pretty important. So um, I think this club to take that next step forward, we need to win something, don't we? So I think it's very brave for us to come out and say we want to win something. Um, we've got to go and back it up and we've got to, got to put our best foot forward. This is probably one of the best chances we've had of winning something. You're a soul fan, you've seen him through the years. Uh, this team's got to be up there with the best. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one from a from a fan's point of view, because I am a fan. Yeah. So um, I think when, as a fan, I'm seeing you come to Castleford where at times we've been absolutely battered by this team uh, and, and I've been in that, that away stand there and, and watching us get beat by 15, 16 I think just saying to Brody then we come away from there with, with, with a 40 point win and we're still probably not happy with, with, with elements of our game so just shows how far Salford Red Devils have come under under Paul Rowley that, that isn't enough for us tonight um, we want it, we want more um, makes us hungry and everyone shares a common goal of winning some silverware so um, things are good uh, the happiness is, is a focal point um, but Again, we understand we're probably nowhere near where we need to be to win a trophy, and we'll get in there. We'll get there. Yeah, Challenge Cup next week against the Hull KR. Um, obviously, you know, the Cup is a big thing for us all fans. Travelling to Hull KR is going to be a big challenge. Beat them last week, uh, but it's a whole new game. Yeah, I think it'll be a completely different game. Um, we're going to get no calls. We're going to get no uh, no 50-50s. Um, it's, a, it's a real tough place to go, and, and their fans account for a lot. So um, I think emotionally, we've got to be in the right place, and... Uh, in, in, the, in the right frame of mind I suppose going forward so I think that's that'll be the main thing is uh, making sure we're mentally we're in the right place because I think last week we gave us a lot of confidence that we can beat this team um, ultimately it'll be a, a mentality thing to make sure it's on the right attitude and deal with all the emotion and the, um, the noise around the game which will be it's exciting I think if you if you don't get excited about these games you're in the wrong sport aren't you? so one that we're looking forward to Brilliant Ryan cheers and uh, well done tonight Cheers Brilliant Right delighted to say I've been joined by Paul Rowley another Another big win, Paul. I mean, I th- didn't think we played that well tonight, but you've just blown Castleford away. Yeah. Well, I, be pleased. Yeah, I think Kurt said at half-time, it, we, 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 we was, 
it was a funny old game, wasn't it? Because we had an opportunity to score just before half time, would have took it to 30 points to four. As it, as it happens, they scored off a Hail Murray kick, 24 10. It was like, oh, here we go. There's like another field on the cards here, 44 40 win this one. Got written all over it, but um, we look like a, a good team playing in second gear. Uh, I guess that's a sign of our progression to come here and win 40 odd 10. Uh, and be almost like oh, okay yeah that's good job done get out <laughs> it's a huge win really isn't it when you when you actually break it down so um yeah we're, we're delighted with the the victory we're delighted that we paid a good a good testament to callum watkins's 350th game uh, the whole game for us was based around attitude and standards uh, and and that's a reflection of callum and his career uh, and so I would, you know, I thought we'd take that box. I thought our attitude were good, our standards were high. Uh, we maintain them. We want to keep improving them. Uh, and there's a never willingness to keep working week in week out with these this group of lads. So uh, it was a good, it was a good victory. And, and uh, like you said, there's probably more points in it for us if, if we were, you know, on point. But we had the luxury of messing about with our subs a little bit as well. So some of that, you know, wobbled us a little bit. But. Um, uh, yeah, that's what you get when you're, you're in good positions. Is that what this win was built on? I mean, because you could have took your eye off the ball, you've got a cup quarter final next week, but the attitude just seemed absolutely bob on tonight. I mean, yeah. that second half, what's the most pleasing point? The tries or the fact that you didn't concede a point in the second half? Um, yeah, the the non conceding is, is always the best. We build every game we play, we'll build on our defence. Obviously, speak, people speak about our attack, that's what everyone pays the money for, but I think we've seen over the last 18 months some unbelievable courage uh, defensively you know whether it be away from Omar at the AJ Bell um, there's been periods of good defence so you know we, 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 we can see two points like I said one off a, a, a nail Murray kick one off a, st- uh, a steal so uh, sloppy I'll put them to sloppy they're not lucky from Cassie's part sloppy from us so we're disappointed with them too um, but but credit to the lads, I thought they come up with some really good reads. I thought indiv- a lot of good individuals. Stoney were good. I thought Dion had his best game. Kenny had a good game as well. So and 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 then the usual suspects all performed consistently to a high standard. So uh, again, it was a it was a game uh, surrounding for us. It was a game that was, was all about Callum Watkins and and I thought the lads did him proud and and he got a little rest there at the end. They had 20 minutes to to sit down and watch the the end of the game you don't want to go back on though because he's desperate for a try because I noticed <laughs> that tonight I thought he was going to score tonight just to cap it off but like you said a fantastic performance and yeah. I suppose it's hard to pick out man of the matches and things mm. like that someone asked me at the end of the game who do you thought was the best player mm. but I think it's so difficult because everyone's putting a shift in aren't they yeah and 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 then if you look at some of them tries that like the execution of it's brilliant whether that be Brody, Sneedy, Kez um and so you know they're, they're playing consistently well them players which is you know is good for us and, and, they, and they, they play well consistently because they consistently train well uh, you know the boys know my favourite saying you can't be in mug six days and a champion on the seventh but and they're not you know and that's why they are what they are and that's why they get what they get because they deserve it because they work hard Joe Burgess was missing tonight can you mm. tell us a bit about him has he picked a knock up or no he's been he's, he's had a, a knee infection just he's got a, a really bad well really bad to Joe but we're a bit old school he's got a scab on his knee effectively right. don't want to make that sound really uh, small but uh, he got, he's got infected keeps getting inflamed so uh, we felt that you know that we've got Reese Williams there who who's uh, who needs to keep ticking over and, and, and has been really good so uh, you know we, we uh, give Joe the week off and uh, I, I don't see any problem with him playing this week he should be fine 
too many attention to cook what final next week what's the plan going up there you're going to stay over the night before because it's an early it's yeah. 12 o'clock kickoff what's yeah you, we've got to stay the night before so we, we we travel well as a group we enjoy each other's company and I think sometimes when you travel with a team if you, if, if you feel uncomfortable with in in in, uh, in in certain situations then it's always quite draining but uh, we've got a really good group so um, Any time we travel is uh, is a pleasure with these boys, so uh, we're looking forward to it, and uh, you know, hopefully, it'll be a good game. I think there was an article on the the club's Facebook page I think, the other day saying you're a band of brothers. I think that yeah. that probably describes you guys, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think you know, every I think every team likes to kind of roll out the same lines, don't they? But uh, I, I, what we've got is authentic and genuine, and uh, like I said before, you. I could go and sit on that bus now and sit next to any single one of them and be as comfortable as I am with the next. So uh, it's uh, it's a good group, and I guess you know we, we, it's well documented that it's probably the smallest group, but uh, in in many respects that's probably our strength as well. So uh, you know there's, there's not many of us, but uh, we love each other to bits, I guess. Better get on that bus before they've all the pizza. Mm, I know it's probably <laughs> too late now. Nice. Well, thanks very much for speaking to us. No, Paul. It's all pleasure. the best, always. best luck against all Thanks, mate. So, Paul Rowley, happy with the result, Paul. Looking forward to next week. Yeah, certainly was. Yeah, I think he was very, very pleased with the way the, the lads played. And to win away from home, I think with eight wins from nine now, it's that's really, real top form, that. And, um, yeah, yeah, since the St. Helens game, we've come back and won four on the spin. So, yeah, he's really chuffed. I think he's really chuffed with the, with the attitude of his team, the togetherness, the bond that they've got. And, and the team spirit, so that can take you a long way in sports sometimes. You look at some of the other sides who probably spent a lot more money than Solve. You know, Huddersfield's one of them. You know, teams like Warrington, Huddersfield, for one thing or another, it's not you're not firing for them at the moment. Solve have got a really good group there, and Hulking Sarova's form is just dipping at the wrong time. I think they've lost four games on the bounce now in the league, so they've dropped out of the, uh, the top six to seventh. So, yeah, we're playing really, really well, and, you know, we've just got to go there with the right attitude and, and play that, that, that game that we play, and I'm pretty sure we'll get the right result. Yeah, two tries from Reese Williams and Ken Seal. Six different try scorers as well. Paul shows there's tries all over this Salford team. Yeah, and Reese Williams has scored six in his last four for Salford, and, and yet there's a chance he might miss out if Joe Burgess comes back. So be a shame if he does. But obviously Joe's a good player, but I think Reese as well. I think he's he's brilliant for Salford. He's he had a bit of a, a dodgy game at St Helens. Pressure got to him a little bit, and players can have off days. But nine times out of ten, he's super for Salford, and his his partnership with uh, Tim Lafayette at the at the weekend was absolutely sensational. Yeah, Paul Rally's men involved in the Challenge Cup this weekend against Hull Kings Robbers. Cup fever will build in among uh, players and uh, supporters. Are you be excited about it, Paul? Can't wait. I cannot wait for it. I won't be sleeping on Friday night. It's an early start as well. I think mm. we're going up pretty early so for the 12 o'clock kickoff. So it's the Challenge Cup, Robbie. It's it's very, very special. The, the league's good and the playoffs and the grand final. But I think for supporters of our vintage, you, you dream about the Challenge Cup, don't you? And it's a great, great competition. There's some cracking games in the quarterfinals. And if we can get through to that semi-final, there's going to be two smashing semi-finals as well. And there's a chance of going to be local derby as well with the teams that are left in it. So it's really, really exciting but you can't look past all okay, they're a good side especially at home they're very very difficult to beat at Craven Park yeah and obviously you know in the Challenge Cup it's a one-off game you know both sides we're looking for that semi-final place what do you think uh, it would mean to Salford to reach that semi-final in the Challenge Cup Oh, it'd be massive. It'd be massive. We'd be probably be playing on a neutral. Well, you will be playing on a neutral ground somewhere, won't you? So you'd have a massive day out somewhere. Um, probably local if we get somebody local in the next round. There's not many Yorkshire teams left in it, so that'd be a great day out for the supporters. And then you're 80 minutes away from from Wembley, and 
I think to get to Wembley, the supporters deserve it. They got cruelly denied last time with the COVID situation and things like that. So this this club is desperate to get to a, a big final like that. And I think the club could take off, Rob. It really could. Some great things going off at the moment off the field with with uh, the new ownership and people pumping money in and getting behind the club. I think they deserve that day out and that day in the sun. But like I said before, you can't look past Hulk Air. They're a formidable force on the home ground and they'll be fired up as well. Yeah, let's look at the other Super League results of the weekend. Lee beat Hull 28-16. Lee competing atop with Salford. Oh, they're doing really well. I think they went, went either seven or eight on the bounce now. It might be seven, but they've, they've won more games now than they've ever won in Super League. And I heard a stat the weekend. It's the first time they've won seven matches on the bounce in the top flight since 1982, I think it was, when they won the title. Mm-hmm. So um, that's 40-odd years ago. So they, they've been brilliant this season. Um, they're putting on some real good shows in the home games, you know, entertainment and really entertaining. People laughed at them at the start of the season with the Leopards tag, but full credit to them. They've, they've made it a real showpiece there and, and they're playing some of the best rugby in the competition. Yeah, Set Allens beat Wigan 34-16 in the big game of the weekend. Warrington beat Huddersfield 30-26. Obviously, pressure builds on Ian Watson. Yeah, I, I felt a bit sorry for, for Ian Watson at the weekend. I mean, I thought John Wells was very harsh on, on him and Luke Yates with his interviews and, and whatever, some of the questions he asked them. But Watto, you know, he come out and he was very passionate about it. And, uh, you know, I hope they start climbing the table. Just feel he's, he's doing some good things there and uh, they're, a, they're a good club as well. So I uh, hope they start getting some wins. The Wigan and Saints game, I thought St. Helens were sensational and they were at the Magic Weekend as well. They're starting to hit form at the right time. Yeah, Catalan uh, beat Hulkiar. Uh, home, 38 points to four. We talked about how OKR had a few injuries. Abdul uh, limped off after, with a hamstring injury, which is uh, will be a concern uh, for uh, Rovers. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not for us, though. No. <laughs> no, we've we just got to play our own game. I don't think we can worry about... Um, about Hawkinson Rovers and what team they put out. You can you can concentrate on certain players, can't you? And then all of a sudden somebody's fit. So I think Paul Rowley is a, is a, is a wily old coach. He knows the, the business. He knows the game inside out. He's been involved in rugby league since he was, what, five-year-old or something. So he'll know exactly what to do. And Salford are capable of beating anybody. We don't have to worry about any any team or any players. But Hulk Air, they've had it tough, haven't they, the last few weeks? You know, we, we give them a, a, a beating at the Magic Weekend. I thought we beat them quite comfortably. And then they've got Howard in, in Perpignan. So, so, um, so yeah, but it's the cup, it's the cup, and I'm sure they'll raise the game for that, especially in front of the home fans. They're, they're, they're tough to beat there. It's, they always make it a special atmosphere as well, the whole guy supporters. Yeah, uh, and the final game of the weekend, Wakefield won their first Super League game of the season, beating Leeds 24 points to 14. Uh, exciting teams down at Bellevue. Yeah, and I think... You know that that win's been coming for Wakefield, hasn't it? They have they have been uh, unlucky a few times this season. I think they're another team that's had a lot of injuries, haven't they? Not been able to put, you know, their, their best thirteen out all year. They're starting to get a few players back now. Leeds are a real Jekyll and Hyde team, aren't they? You don't know what you're going to get with Leeds, Ryan. They're, they're struggling a bit this season, I think, and they've got plenty of good players there, but. You know, for one reason or other, it seems like an attitude thing with them sometimes. But I was pleased for Wakefield. I'm glad they've got off the off the mark. And you know, there's teams just above them, Castleford and Huddersfield. They'll be looking over the shoulder now because there's plenty of time left in the season. So, be interesting to see Wakefield play next. I know it's the break for the cup, but I'm not seeing the fixtures for the week after. But you know, that that win will do them the world of good. Yeah, will be obviously Castleford on Friday. Uh, they will be looking over the shoulder because I feel um, if Wakefield do get a run uh, going, they'll be in deep trouble. Yeah, I thought they were poor, Castleford. 
on Friday night. They never really troubled us, did they? They got a very, very fortunate try in that, that first half, that kick through. Um, but the one that Edwards scored, he, he sort of shanked that kick. It was really lucky that. So over that, they didn't really trouble us. So they are a team in trouble. I think they've got players that are sort of getting on a bit now, long in the tooth. They've not got a lot of young players in that, that squad. They've not got a lot of speed. And I don't know, there just doesn't seem to be much... Uh, much to, much hope for them, but they, you, you never know. They might turn things round. And in Wakefield, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know which way it's going to go. You expect Huddersfield to start winning games, don't you? But they, they seem to be in a real struggle of form. So it's going to be an exciting at both ends of the table as the uh, as the season kicks on. Yeah, uh, Salford ladies were in action uh, this weekend. They played Bradford and won 34 points to 28 at Odsall. Uh, Paul, a last minute winner by YPS uh, sends Chris. Bates ladies uh, Victoria back down the M62 yeah they've been waiting for that haven't they for a few weeks we, we've mentioned it on the podcast haven't we? they've had a tough couple of weeks and that's a good result to go away from home and, and beat Bradford away from home that's going to give the ladies the, the confidence now hopefully for next week to build on that yeah, obviously we, we've talked about how uh, they are in the Super League and, and how they've managed to reach a, a level and I suppose they're going to be really uh, sort of chuffed to bits that they've managed to to get a result against Bradford. Louise Fellingham, Steph Gray, Lauren Ellison, Brogan Evans, Alex Simpson and like I said, YPS were, were among the try scorers. Demi Jones kicked a couple of goals as well. So, uh, you know, fantastic achievement there for, for our ladies and hopefully uh, more to come in the coming weeks. Yeah, I'm sure they will be. I'm sure they will be. Like I said, rugby league's confidence. That I spoke to Louise Fellingham at the Magic Weekend, and she's saying they've done it tough. You've had injuries and things like that, and you know she she wasn't going to back down from that. They're just going to keep fighting and battling away, and that's what they have done. And uh, let's hope they can turn the corner now. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Swinton Lions. They were in action this weekend at home to Halifax and lost 46 points to eight. Obviously, Halifax are a good team. Uh, we'll be looking for a promotion this season uh, or to finish top of the league. It's it's difficult, obviously, with the budget uh, that Swinton have to compete with these top sides. Yeah, that was a disappointing result for uh, for Swinton and that. But I think you've got to give Halifax some credit. They're a good side, Halifax. They've had some good wins this season. Just looking at the championship at the weekend, Toulouse, who, who've been pretty poor, Swinton beat Toulouse the other week. And that was a great win for Swinton. But uh, they, they went and won at Featherston. Featherston's first defeat of the season um, at home to Toulouse. And they were well beaten as well. So that is sort of giving invitation for other clubs. I mean, I know Sheffield Eagles are on a cracking run at the moment. Chris Willem scored a couple of tries for them the other night, Friday night. They had a good win. And you've got Halifax there as well now. So, you know, it's going to go down to a grand final, that that, that the league to see who comes up. So, just shows Featherston are beatable. So, the, the top sides are going to be really going for that now for Swinton. I think it's about survival this season. That's a setback losing to Halifax. But, as we said before, they're a, they're a good side and they've just got to beat the teams around them. Swinton now, I think, to, to stay in that league. I know Whitehaven had a good one at the weekend. They beat Witness. So, there's been some funny scores this weekend and it's a, it's a very, very competitive league, that, the Championship. Mm. Talking about the, the Championship and the and the way that the money situation in that division, it's all important. I think Martin Vickers from Featherstone talks about the fans uh, spending more money in the stadium on booze to help uh, the promotion push. And I think that's the kind of thing that, that needs to happen, really, if, if clubs want to sort of go that next level yeah it, it certainly yeah um, it's, it's it's a massive step up from the, the championship to the, the Super League isn't it but I think for example if it was for Featherston I think did have a good chance I think they, 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 get, they don't get massive crowds but they, they've got the potential it's not a massive place is it Featherston it's only a 
sort of a small sort of pit village, really, if you like it. You know, it used to be a, a, a coal mine there, didn't there? And that's not a massive place at all. It's you know, when you look at Wakefield, it's a big, biggish city. Um, I say Featherstone is probably similar to Castleford, really, isn't it? So in, in sort of population-wise, but they've got rugby league there, haven't they? They've got rugby league heritage. They've got a production line of players. You look at the amount of players that come through Castleford, Wakefield, Featherstone, that sort of uh, area. There's a lot of junior clubs, well, amateur clubs. Rugby league is in the DNA there, so I think they do the world of good. If Halifax came up, I think they'd be the same. Sheffield Eagles would be a wild card, and, and then you've got Toulouse as well. So I think whichever team came up would uh, would do themselves justice. Yep, 20 seconds to go. Swinton play Batley on Sunday. Chances there? Is it away? Oh. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Batley are another funny side, but no, Swinton at home are, are a decent team, and I, I'm backing them to bounce back. Yeah, obviously, you know, we'll be looking and talking about that on this week's Sports Zone. Paul, obviously, we, we want to talk about Swinton, we talk about Salford, we talk about all different sports on this uh, on this show. And it's great that our listeners want to join in, want to listen and help us uh, get involved in all the sports. Big thanks for joining to this week's Sports Zone. I'm Rob Parkinson. So don't forget, England football have were, uh, European Championship qualifiers against Malta and North, North Macedonia uh, this weekend. So Gareth Southgate's men will be looking to win them two games and qualify for the championships. So looking forward to that. And we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. 